0: I'm a
1: I don't
0: even, I don't even have garage band open. I guess.
1: Jesus I will. Christ. Get with it, Patches. I just got on a thing.
0: Pandemic week two. In honor of a pandemic, again, what is the best movie set in a single location?
2: Uh, I'm Katie Rich and Hitchcock made a lot of movies set in a single location, but a uh, shout out to the solid gimmick of lifeboat.
1: I'm Matt Patches and I'm going to go with cube. They're in a cube.
0: Hey, it's me, David the Seven, and I'm going with Clue. They're searching for clues in Clue.
3: (laughs) And I'm David Ehrlich, and uh, this is certainly not my pick for the best, but uh, it could be relevant because it comes out on Netflix on Friday. It is Cube made vertical. It's called Platform. Uh, It's a Spanish horror film. It's Cube, but vertical and kind of about democratic socialism. Uh, Kind of. (laughs) It's definitely about inequality. Uh, and uh, a great movie to watch when you're sitting at home thinking about how we're all going to eat each other alive. Platform.
1: Mm. They're on a platform. In platform. Gentlemen,
0: you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri
1: Clear and plain, and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh?
0: Good
2: then. Well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's a podcast. Yes. Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode two hundred and ninety-three, and it is the week of Wednesday, March eighteenth, twenty twenty. That was the day that in eighteen that was the day that in eighteen eighty-one, Barnum and Bailey's greatest show on Earth circus debuted in Madison Square Garden. Isn't it amazing to think of people gathering in a public place to watch anything right now?
1: dirty animals so. well i
0: mean i i would because in what 1881 i haven't seen an elephant right that's where i have to go <laughs>
1: no um, you saw an elephant in 1880 so in 1881 you were a little bored by the elephants oh, you, just you, like oh they elephant done again. That.
2: i saw that in the middle earth <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who knows what kind of germ they were passing around to wait what were they the called
1: year, in uh, middle uh, earth Olyphons. they weren't actually elephants o- yes so like you saw an elephant in 1880, but an elephant was brand new.
3: Yeah, fair. What the Shout hell? out to uh, Lego uh, soon to be a father.
2: Right. Congratulations uh, to Orlando and Katie. They uh, postponed their wedding last week because of coronavirus. And At the time, it was like, huh? Because of what? Because of uh, this thing that's, that's happening. I don't know if you heard about it.
1: <laughs> I
3: do have. Uh, I do.
1: No, uh, I've been inside pretty much all weekend, so I, been, I have,
3: have been. I do have an overwhelming to desire to like text uh ex-girlfriends or people I haven't talked to since college and just be like, hey, uh you, you hear about this virus?
0: Hey, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You going out this weekend?
2: Uh, looking for uh, looking for someone to going rage. Going around.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh the rage virus?
1: I was just thinking about is the is the virus in twenty eight days later called the rage virus?
3: It is indeed.
1: Mm-hmm. What a what an on the nose name. They could have yeah, come I mean, up with we
3: I was thinking yesterday that we are uh Basically, in the scenario of 28 days later, if people were just a little meaner to each other, like we were we're a few steps away from that, Um, but not far.
1: We're Uh, 28 days late into this. uh, I mean,
0: I think 28 days
3: uh, later from now is a pretty good estimate of when we could be there, to be honest. We haven't hit
1: rage
0: or T-virus, but we are in early days of Captain Trips, and I've been making the joke a lot as somebody who lives in Denver that... You know, at least when the world ends, we don't, don't have to go that far, either to Boulder or Vegas. Like, could you imagine living on the East Coast? Aren't, drops they filming and an ad- my
2: eye. aren't they shooting an adaptation of The Stand right now that has shut down because of this virus?
1: Yeah, on CBS All Access, directed by Josh Boone, whose movie New Mut- Mutants will never come out. So oh, no! the coronavirus
2: what did Josh Boone do? The guy cannot do? catch
1: a break, but oh. I I don't know if he deserves it. New Mutants
0: is up there oh, with uh, uh, the. We hunts, all know which has
1: been like, finally going to come
0: Wait, out on DOD.
3: What, what did Josh Boone do? Who's Josh Boone? Fault in Our Stars.
1: I had to watch that movie. Oh, oh yeah. wow.
2: You're going to be mad at Fault in Our Stars in this time Ooh. of uh, national no. unity.
1: That's come true. on, man. There's <laughs> I mean, many more. <laughs>
3: Uh, there are so many movies where teenagers don't make out in the Anne Frank house. So to pick the one where they do strikes me as uh, somewhat anti-semitic, Matt Patches. <laughs> uh, how
2: hard is it to so release a superhero a movie
0: with a former Game of Thrones star? Apparently very hard.
2: When? What was the first very, release date for New Mutants? Yeah. Like, I know it's been a running joke about how it's delayed. But but like, like, when, like, when did this begin?
0: Was it like November 2018, 2018. or something like that? Oh, yeah,
2: my yeah. God.
0: And then it got rolled out and rolled yeah. out, and now it got rolled out again.
2: I mean, tragically, for Captain be Two between. hasn't been delayed yet. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, you keep
1: thinking tragically it's going to happen. Me, I, I'm not sure I should eat a shoe during the coronavirus pandemic. I, just, I have to check.
3: <laughs> oh with my the god! CDC on that. You're Who, just going cheap excuses to weasel your way out of this.
1: Uh, uh, It'll happen. It'll happen.
3: Invent a we all like know pandemic. it's gonna happen. The question is Just how? not to eat oh, your shoe. God. I mean it's what
1: are it's we done? talking about on the podcast yes, this
3: week? <laughs> I think we're we're circling the drain of what we're talking about this already, is which is a free flowing conversation right. about uh, our current dread and despair. How is everyone doing on the on the fear index? Uh which I'm not sure if it's a real thing. It sounds like a real thing, but uh it's sad you can, that you can we measure aren't your able own, to do this podcast in person.
2: Yeah, we are. Um, As opposed to every
3: we other we week. Do every yeah. Now would be the
2: time. Yeah. Um, I feel okay on the fear index, but I'm also not in New York City. I feel like New York A, has more cases, and B, everyone is packed more tightly in together, and I think there's more reason to be uh. nervous. So, I don't know. David, how are you doing? I will it? say,
3: I... I uh, it, it varies over the course of a given day. David went outside uh, this weekend. I, I go outside every day. I mean, if, if I take... Uh, I get my 10,000 steps every single day. Um, just do walks around the neighborhood. I, like basically i mean someone i retweeted this uh, someone posted a level from mario maker that's just like mario doing impossible jumps over the fire sticks uh talking about him going outside to enjoy the fresh air but avoiding (laughs) other pedestrians that he sees along the way and that's kind of my experience where i just i know that there's nothing necessarily unsafe about going for a walk around the neighborhood especially because it's not very crowded but as soon as anyone comes towards me on the sidewalk i am just jumping into traffic pretty much (laughs) (laughs) but uh i've also been playing uh i've i've this is uh, vintage me and my idiocy. I decided that this, when we're all quarantined, was the ideal time to finally download Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: right?
3: It is. Um, uh, I should actually, I should actually take this opportunity to all of our listeners. I tweeted it, but uh, in case you missed it, to share my uh, my Pokemon Go number. It's five nine one four three seven five seven zero five zero eight. I'm sleepy Mr. Bun, named after my son uh and i've been uh I've been walking around the neighborhood catching the same fucking ten Pokemon over and over and over again. uh You can see me strolling around Fort green with my charmander and uh well I we hope are, you go uh,
1: home immediately and wash your hands of those pokemon I, I do I your do hands indeed. are covered in pokemon uh
3: they are covered in pokemon, if nothing else. I'm even washing my phone <laughs> when I get home, but Katie, I will say um, really my yeah, we got the your little lights.
1: Like you mean? Yeah. not you're not washing your phone. You're wiping it off with like a yeah. Clorox wipe or
2: something. Yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. wipe your phone okay. down.
3: All right. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I feel like the time to have done that was probably like last week when I was putting it down on tables. Still, as opposed to just like in like going to businesses <laughs> instead of just walking around or whatever. <laughs> We're about two um, weeks late to every. Line yeah. Of thinking uh, it's the American yeah. way of doing things, but uh, Katie, I just want to say that um, uh, yeah, my fear, my dread. Uh, it, it's like a roller coaster every day. Uh, there are moments where I feel sort of at peace with things and there are other moments where I'm spiraling. I feel like this right now is one of the latter. Um, it's despite like usually at night, I tend to sort of level out and the rest of the world goes to sleep and it's kind of my time to be less anxiety ridden. But, oh, uh, uh, that, yeah, at least is too, but that hasn't really been the case these past couple of days. What? Um, but I will say that just sorry to go back to the, the, you, you're saying you're not in New York. None of my dread at the moment has anything to do with being in New York. Um, what is your, I dread think about? that's what I'm, I'm it's, of. it's about, like, uh, it's the, the world collapsing and people mm-hmm. turning on each other. I mean, like the things that, like, of course, I'm scared of, uh, hospitals being overrun. Um, not only because it's incredibly dangerous for everyone who's sick, but also because it means that so many, you know, untold numbers of other people who have other conditions unrelated to coronavirus for now anyway won't be getting the treatment that they need that's terrifying to me but not as terrifying at least in an abstract way as uh the economy totally bottoming out people turning on each other I mean, that's what really riles me up about post-apocalyptic movies it's the idea of um people you know being at each other's throats uh it's heartening for now to see these like very socially active rallying cries to get money to uh furloughed workers or people who lost their jobs in various lines of work various industries we see it in the uh, indie film scene in new york there's i've given today myself uh, some money to a fund that's been really successful so far to help uh, the employees at the various independent cinemas in new york okay. uh, but uh maybe they can find that and put that in the show notes i don't know but there are so many places to give uh but uh, yeah i mean it's it's the panic buying it's the uh Long term financial damage. It's the idea of people being paranoid against one another, turning one another. I think that's always been sort of an abstract fear of mine, and now is a little bit more elemental just because I have a young child to protect, and I'm not necessarily the best protector in any capacity, physically, financially. So, um, I need all the help I can get. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, Do you feel
2: like you're like you're reaching this moment of test as a person as a father like as a human being and wondering if you're up to the task of whatever's ahead of us?
3: I feel like that moment may come in the not so distant future like 3 or 4 months from now but now I'm less worried about my individual capacity and more just about like the world, the fabric of our social order dissolving and me having to, I don't know, to rise to some sort of a fictional occasion, but it's really just an amplification of my general fear for and anxiety for all people right now. I think on a personal note, um, as the hierarchy of needs sort of begins to deteriorate. It's like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh no, is can going to be canceled? And now it's like, I can't imagine, you know, possibly going to can, um, in any sort of, yeah, I haven't
2: thought about can, because I were like, you know, a week ago we were, I think on this podcast, we talked about like, what if can gets canceled? And, uh, I hadn't even thought about it
3: since. Of course it's going to get canceled. Things are going to continue to scale up. Is it going to get canceled? Yes. (laughs) We'll find out on April. But but, uh,
1: Can doesn't seem to want to
2: cancel it. So no, But France is also, like, closing their borders. So I imagine yeah, be, they are taking the serious, situation more seriously than they were, were less. Yeah, closing though. their borders from Netflix.
3: I worry a lot about uh, supply chain stuff, which seems silly, maybe. Um, I worry about, you know, that's I am someone... The most, that's the most terrifying. That, uh, I um, may not be able to get next month. I don't know. That really keeps me up at night. Um, I, there are people who are on more dire... Prescription medications who may have longer, uh, may have refills, or may have greater stores of their supplies, but um, need the pills more urgently. And then that's just one subset of pills. I mean, and one subset of uh, supplies. Rather, there are so many other things that we need. And while um, I'm heartened by the messages from uh, America's food stores and and food suppliers that we have supplies for now, and that when you go to a Costco, as I want to hear about Katie's recent trip or her trip today, there to are local. <laughs> um you know you see that they're out of so many things but uh more often than not in these places maybe not in your Costcos and Trader Joes where people make a beeline to but in the other markets um it, they are just it's just a resupply issue they they are out at night and they restock overnight and then they run through everything they have the next day but that they still actually have uh, access to the food that they need and uh, the other supplies um and i just i will really uh, begin to fray when that changes if that changes, if that, uh, thank you. If that changes,
2: uh, I went to Costco <laughs> not, like sorry, an my hour last, ago. My last
3: thing is, just that these podcasts are going to be such an interesting time capsule. Like on a week by week basis, they will be made so obsolete. It's and so funny. Anyway, remember when we used on. to
0: have uh, review episodes, and then we're like, we'll do them uh, when President Hillary Clinton gets sworn in,
3: and then we never yeah. get <laughs> them again.
2: Well, we should never <laughs> promise anything with that contingency again. I do
3: not. <laughs> remember that particular promise and i resent that you do katie how was your trip to costco
2: (laughs) it was fine costco i mean costco was weird because there were all these signs up about the things that they do and don't have and you can see all the like efforts they made for crowd control today it was helpful um they were out let me here i'll pull up the picture on my phone of the things that they were out of uh they were out of clorox bleach canned chicken uh, baby wipes kleenex rotisserie chicken uh eggs for some reason um toilet paper go figure um, I saw a
1: woman at my local grocery store just hoarding eggs she was she must have bought like 12 cartons of eggs and then i later read that and i think this is just kind of blowing up but you can freeze eggs you can crack eggs and put them in huh. uh, ice cube them? trays and freeze them what yeah you well yeah you you break them and and put the part that you would eat into the ice cube trays and then freeze them wow. as ice cubes and then put them in bags
2: Wow. It sounds I, mean, I bought a bunch of hot wild. dogs. I'm deal.
1: not at that level of apocalypse prepping, but
2: No, um, I like I don't feel leak. the need. I don't feel a strong need to hoard groceries. I mean we have a we have plenty to blast us, like if we needed to live off of dried beans, we'd be fine. Um and but Costco was kind of quiet. Like there were I didn't really wait in line. I went like a half an hour before it closed. I have I have total faith in the social fabric of grocery stores. If only because like in Italy the grocery stores have remained stocked and like calm and people are going about their business. Yeah. I read like a, someone had a Twitter thread. I would love to find this thread again from someone who lived in Hong Kong where, um, I believe they did a lot of extreme social distancing and have now kind of gotten out of it because the epidemic has slowed down there. And I found it like this very encouraging dispatch from the future where they were like, yeah, we had to stay apart. We washed our hands a lot. It sucked for a while, but we got past it. And here's how you're, but Hong Kong
3: emphasis
1: on the extreme, right? Now I don't, yeah,
2: no, I mean, no, Hong Kong is full of more sensible people than in America. Uh, they were more extreme about it. And yeah, I think they, they are, um, you know, it got worse there than it will, than it has here. I don't have any, like, I don't have any sense that it's going to get better from here. Like, I'm fully aware that it's only going to get worse. But I am, I'm not well, that worried about that myself getting it on, on Monday. Monday. Yeah. And, like, as of last Monday. <laughs> oh, on Monday, was,
3: March 16th, 2020. Yeah. And yeah. As, yeah. as of last Monday, the, I was trying to, like,
2: make plans for last weekend. um, Like, which is just how fast things happen. So, I don't know. But. Maybe it's the privilege of like being in a house with a basement and a yard where I can like take my kids out. I mean, honestly, the thing that I'm freaked out the most about is having to take care of my kids every day, all day for I don't know no two sense. months. Like, I have no
1: idea.
3: how are your mental state
1: of like surviving that? I have no, <laughs> no idea. Have like, to work juggling, I mean, the gonna,
3: urban? I mean, You gotta you gotta work, and yeah. patches is a problem that I'm sure you're gonna have as well. I mean, I feel really lucky that well first of all i was scheduled already to take another month of paternity leave off starting uh this friday which i'm gonna do uh, um which is ended up being pretty good timing that's great. but uh um new york paid family leave you know it's uh uh it's something but um but you know my my kid is also at a perfect age for this where uh we were still breastfeeding him so he uh, doesn't, we don't need to shop for him. He's not another mouth to feed in the traditional sense anyway. Um, and he's also not mobile yet. He's rolling over and making really funny faces, but he's not crawling around. I mean, it's like kind of in the sweet spot, but Katie, how are you yeah. going to work with two kids who are uh, uh. both, uh, handfuls?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's two of us here. We're going to use screens as best we can. Like I've been, you know, I did a conference call while walking around in the front yard with Sam, the one-year-old who just like wants to walk around all the time. Um, it's, it's less about like trying to balance work. Like I, everyone I work with kind of gets it. I work with other parents. Um, everyone's kind of doing what they can. It's more that I just like, I don't want to spend my day every single day. I want the time away from them. Like you kind of need that balance. And like, David, I don't know if you've hit this yet. Parenthood patches, I'm sure you have, or like the ability to be <laughs> in the world, not as a parent is really important. And I feel like I'm losing that. I'm not sure. That's
3: where my Pokemon go time comes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yeah man, we should also,
1: I think, it, I think it. we should say that we're, that we're also living like the privileged Timeline of, of this, course, like of even while we feel the burden, it's like at least my company is like do you, parents. Do you need time off? Take it off, uh, or yeah. do you need to like organize yourself in a, in a different way? Talk to your reports or talk to your managers and make sure it all works out. And like, we're in a. I feel like I'm in a very privileged position it's, to have my two year old at home for me potentially for like two weeks to. Three months um, and not know what's going to happen and not work the same kind of schedule I was two weeks ago. Also, ah, this has happened so quickly; <laughs> like it's wild how the world has turned upside down. No one, no one and could have why predicted this sucks a month ago. so hard?
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, that. Well, the funny thing is, I don't think anyone could have predicted. A month ago even though we all could have predicted everyone was predicting a month ago that this <laughs> was going to happen and obviously there was a lot of systematic failure think, but like i didn't feel prepared f- for well,
3: i think this, this. i didn't pre- from... feel
1: prepared for this feeling that i have right now which is like we're living this kind of i mean if people who listen to this podcast i can't say that everyone who listens was was around for like 9-11 but um 9-11 was a dramatic moment and that hurt everyone and, and we couldn't imagine it happening it felt just like otherworldly and uh, there was obviously a lot of fallout uh, emotional fallout from that too but it wasn't it wasn't like this this is this feels like a weird kind of slow burn 9-11 effect where we're in this vortex uh we just can't explain what's happening and life is not like it was two weeks ago and we have the added bonus of this kind of like 2016 election news vortex all over again. I feel like oh, everything's changed and we we can't stop scrolling through our feeds. We can't stop reading news. We're just waiting for the one Update that's going to change everything and reverse it back to normal. And no, everything has been irrevocably changed. We can't, Twitter is not going to save us on this one. There's not going to be a breaking news story that makes everything better.
3: I I mean, honestly, Twitter. Because you just keep people
1: scrolling and waiting for something to happen.
3: I have never been more confident that Twitter will save us. I wouldn't put it maybe in quite such exaltation, exalting terms, but uh, I've never been more, I think, appreciative for Twitter as a resource as much as it is sort of the dread machine. Uh, it is also keeping people together. And I think the longer that we're all trapped inside, the more valuable it's going to become. Um, but I also just to pivot off what Patches was talking about, I feel like we suffer from a collective failure of imagination, um, which can't be helped and isn't necessarily to blame. I feel like it's kind of human nature, but we all intellectually, unlike you know Trump, intellectually understood where this was going. We saw the data, we believed in it. Um, but I think that there is just an inability to project that future and to put ourselves in it that makes where we are now feel so alien to what we could have imagined a couple of weeks ago. And all, we also can imagine now, I and mean, we'll talk about now what we think the world might look like three weeks from now, but I think to really imagine what that means is, is beyond us.
1: I tweeted something over the weekend that I, I'm just – I keep thinking about and I keep mulling over and I wonder if people have reactions here or if they have examples to uh, in their own lives feeling this way. But I – I feel like there and I don't have an answer to why, but I feel like there's something wrong about the way we teach history in this country or this world where we tell people what happened in the past and it feels totally disconnected. It didn't really yeah. happen. It's in a book or it happened like this is it's almost like reading fiction. Like here was World War Two. Uh, it really happened. There was mass genocide and we sent troops over and millions of people died. Um, and and we have no sense there's no gravity to when we learn about these major historical events um and then you see a movie like Saving Private Ryan or something like that and it's like oh shit <laughs> this happened like w- this has been fully realized for me for the first time and I'm I'm seeing what it was really like spielberg's taking me there uh in this verite quality and it's like this is this was real uh, for the first time um and I, when we when we enter this pandemic moment, it's like, oh, this can really happen. Life could change radically.
3: Like, Do you you're think not, that's a failure? hasn't part, prepared. Her. I thought that was a really interesting tweet of yours, uh, but I was wondering when I when I was thinking about it, is like, is that a failure of how we teach people, or is it going back to what I was saying, sort of like a failure of imagination? It's like, is there a way to impart to people, particularly kids, uh, the reality? of the things that we're saying, not just the fact of them, but like the, the sort of like plastic pliable, applicable nature of what it means. Um, Or is to a certain extent history, something that we have to experience a taste of firsthand in order to, to grapple with In the same way that like you can spend your entire life emotionally preparing for parenthood or intellectually preparing for parenthood. But the reality of it is immediately so different than anything uh, you could imagine.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's like a Rubicon you have to cross with life experience because like, we kind of don't want that to be a switch we could flip i don't know i've had similar arguments with this about like teaching children about the holocaust because you want them to get on it early so they know like the, the first time they run across it, it's like not a joke but you can't like expose the full horror of it because they don't they have no way to qualify that in their lives like they've experienced nothing close to a holocaust so it's hard to be like, you know, everybody was like rounded up and, you know, they were like killed just because they don't you know, practice this religion or this certain ethnic group. And it's like doesn't really become real to you until you're like, I don't know, some older age. And, you know, you have a Saving Private Ryan moment or a Schindler's List moment or a, it doesn't have to be about World War Two. Or II. a Jojo and, Rabbit uh, moment. It's, sure. There you go. Still about <laughs> World War Two. But yes, you uh you have one of those... Uh, <laughs> moments where the fiction gets through to you and makes you like feel that it's completely real because like it could like could you imagine like having a complete empathetic connection to like history in a book and then like taking the third grade it's like horrible it's like oh let's let's talk about the first thanksgiving just like downhill from there
2: anyway (laughs) pandemic
1: they haven't made a good movie about the first Thanksgiving, have they?
2: <laughs> I mean, the other thing about his like, I just don't know what history is supposed to have taught us from this, like the idea of like a pandemic in an era of social media, in which you can like be talking to all of your friends and recording your podcast and doing your job from home. Like, I don't like, I don't know how I'm. Supposed I don't think to have there's a comparable event. No, yeah. I don't.
1: I don't think there's anything comparable to this. I just think I'm thinking about learning about history. In that we seem unprepared for the idea that something could be this devastating or something that could be this disruptive to life. We don't think that everyday life could be upended in this way. So we continue to go to bars. So we continue yeah. – and by we, yeah. I don't mean any of the four of us because we're sensible human beings. Um, But other people old, we know, I'm price. sure – I mean, I think yeah, everything's... I, uh, luckily parenting has really been preparing me for staying inside and doing nothing at mm-hmm. the weekends for a long time. Everything's sort of somebody's first. Uh, but you yeah, know... and people weren't prepared.
0: Yeah. Huge serious, you know, thing. I uh, like, I remember at least the, the moment that it happened for me that like, you know, the nationwide news reached out and touched, touched my life was the, what Columbine shooting 99, April 99. That was like mm-hmm. close enough. And that changed my immediate life day to day, you know, because I was going to school. Uh, so I think everybody has to have that. The pandemic is just so far reaching. This is going to be that for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm especially curious. I mean, it's obviously affecting our lives. But like people who are high school seniors right now are going to have their proms and graduation canceled. Like people are about to start college in the fall and how weird that's going to be. Like we are old enough that we have like 9-11 as a reference point. We have some better understanding of how the world is changing, but it's going to be so fundamental for so many for like an entire generation younger than us um and not our kids who aren't going to remember it which is also strange um
3: god it makes me so happy that asa isn't old enough to to know what's happening right now Um, and uh yeah i mean it is
2: it's made me sad that um that charlie who's three and a half is like He was talking, he told me on Saturday that he had heard about Polonavirus, which is cute and also sad, um, because his friend's birthday party had gotten canceled. Um, But he, I think he's going to start wondering why he's not in school after a while and miss school. And it it makes me sad that this is going to be this big disruption in his life, even if the disruption is him getting to be home with his parents. Um, And again, Place of privilege. So there are a lot, a lot, a lot of other kids who are having much worse disruptions, which is even more heartbreaking.
0: Well, it's going to be inter, I'm morbidly curious because we have to go through the worst of it before we come down the other side. But like how now when you go flying at the airport, you have to take off your shoes. It'll be interesting to see what new just things in society are going to be things that we just do now in a post coronavirus yeah. world.
2: Yeah. What we, do you are think we going to stop shaking that's hands? Like we oh, might, we're gonna, we might definitely no, we might, gonna stop shaking hands. Like never again. We'll love, never shake hands. No, I,
3: or, I there'll just, just be a generation that doesn't that.
1: shake
0: hands.
3: I I think that you will be. I th- you know I think what's amazing is that despite you know, what I believe to be sort of a collective failure of imagination, humans are also the most adaptable species uh, on the planet, and it is amazing how much something. Unforeseeable becomes a new normal. Um, and then I think, you know, that elasticity works both ways. You'll see when the coronavirus, uh, pandemic anyway is quieted down a little bit that, uh, we will go back to shaking hands. <laughs> People might be a little bit more adamant about washing them, but I do think that a lot of these things, uh, are, you know, will revert back to, uh, normal or you know, normal-ish when, when life does. But I also think it's funny that we're, we're all not funny, but we're talking about this. Uh, in terms of the disruption hilarious. to our life and the economy and everything else, but um, I think the sort of the elephant in the room is that none of us are willing to entertain the idea of a sort of like a, a loss of life, not to us necessarily, but to loved ones, family members, uh, people in the community, celebrities, and so on. I mean, I think that like yeah well um, I mean,
0: that's like, like my as somebody, the person without children. Uh, my only responsibility as far as I see it is making sure my parents are, you know, like well informed and like not going out, which ended up, you know, being a good idea because my mom, it turns out has not been reading the news and had like, you know, went to Walmart and was like, why is the toilet paper gone? And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Let's talk about hand washing and cancel you going to the library or being All around right. children and things like that. So that it's like, that's the scary part of this but also like all you could kind of do is be a source of the correct information and try to like you know proceed plead caution with them as far as i can tell but that's the my like the biggest thing i could do to contribute right now to so-called flatten the curve is continue doing what i was doing which is not leaving the house and making podcasts and uh television reality television shows and,
3: Dave, uh, have you left? Have you left the house at all? Have you gone like on a walk or to a store or anything?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I do uh, go uh, to, I guess like the dispensary is the place that I can go, and it's like a short walk <laughs> and like not uh-huh. see money.
2: <laughs> I've been <a> jammed <laughs> yeah, right man. now.
0: Well, for like uh-huh. uh, for for like two weeks at the dispensary, Damn, I've been not touching the product and making like a wait, joke. Do like, we say dispensary?
3: Isn't it a dispensary? I always,
2: I always say dispensary. I, but said, I don't know. Dave actually has one. So he
3: probably yeah, Dave's it. the one who's high all the time. So It could go either way. Standards.
0: Either way. Every time I went there, like for a few weeks or for the past two weeks, uh I'd like sort of like make a joke, not real joke, where they'd be like, Oh, if you want to check this out. And I'm like, I don't need to like touch the product. I'm not going to buy, you know, there's a virus out there. And now that's policy. And they have gloves that I came in the other day. And I was like, Ah, so you haven't touch touching the things. And they gave wow. me like a little knowing nod. But anyway, but that's that's the my Colorado equivalent of David being worried about his prescriptions running out. I'm like if the dispensary closes for eight weeks, like what the <laughs> fuck?
2: Um, I will say I've been going outside a lot, um, both because I was mentioning before that Sam likes to walk around outside in the front yard. Um, and so we see our neighbors walk by with their dogs and kind of talk to them from a distance. And today we went on a walk to, um, there's a brewery that we can walk to and they are, you know, they have cans to sell and they will sell them to you out on the curb so that you don't have to go inside. Um, and we just kind of got to see the world and like talk to some neighbors and it was really nice. I really appreciate my city right now for having access for that, but also recommend all of the- the walking that you can do to interact with anybody from a safe distance, because I think it really helps.
3: Yeah. Um, did what do you guys think about uh, the studios putting Universal, in particular, had oh. announced they're yeah. putting some of the movies? Yeah, the I wanted to ask if on of movies.
2: The, is now, one of the changes is going to be that movie theaters don't exist when this is all over? No,
3: see, see, I here's my take on this to kick off this part of the conversation. I uh, movie theaters may not exist anymore, but I think that has nothing to do with this. If movie theaters don't exist anymore, it's because, uh, they go out of business, uh, because they have no kind of bailout when they are shut for the next few months. Uh, but I think it is very funny that people took the announcement that Universal was going to be releasing Trolls World Tour direct <laughs> to streaming and decided that, uh, the theatrical experience, as we know, That's was it. dead. Uh, and, um, uh trolls trolls world tour uh, not a real movie i think uh it's kind of disingenuous to suggest that it's the same as like marvel and disney putting black widow uh on streaming and missing out on all that sweet sweet magical dollars um obviously universal releasing the invisible man uh and uh you know focus it's owned by universal i believe on on uh, releasing I think emma like a
1: bad sign um, for universal right but no i think i think this a, is just disney would never
3: do it i University. I tend to think that all of it these... like the studios are in trouble.
2: Disney did tend... put Frozen 2 out early. They kind of did. No, uh,
3: come on. Mm-hmm. That movie's already made a billion dollars in theaters. It's so dumb yeah, to yeah, talk exactly. about it like this, which is my point. Who, bought, who uh, buys I, the Blu-ray? I think, like, this is... I, I, obviously, people are desperate for conversation and, and everyone... Uh, the vulture-like mentality that we take to talk to you about film and, and certainly the theatrical experience is really in action here. But uh, these are exceptional times. Nothing that happens... In the next few months, we'll have much of a strong correlation, uh, you know, beyond the economics of it all to um, at least not the consumer demand of it. What happens in a normal time? I I really, really, really don't think that Universal Game. put uh, Invisible Man uh, on streaming after a couple weeks in theaters is going to have any sort of long lasting impact. Don't
1: you remember? Don't you remember film. when they put Tower Heist? online for sixty dollars. That changed they, the industry did, forever. Didn't they
2: not do it? Did, wasn't there enough blowback that they changed their mind? Oh
1: right, really? I thought they yeah. did I thought they did do it. I'm no, I thought sure they had like it. a special service that put it out. Oh am well.
2: I just confusing this Never about my parallel Brett universe, Ratner hosting the Oscars or producing the Oscars at the same time. <laughs> no
0: I'm I don't pretty don't think, sure
2: they didn't do it.
0: I don't remember Tower Heist actually doing that because I I could swear that if that happened I would have read at least one article that was like I paid sixty dollars to Watchtower heist on a beanbag chair or something.
3: Uh, yeah, I really think so. that, uh, I think that this is really just about, you know, the, the moment at hand. You can't really break a longstanding relationship with the exhibitors if there are no exhibitors on the other side. Uh, movie theaters are temporarily out of the equation. And so what, you, what are, what is Universal supposed to do with a movie like, um, The Invisible Man that was in the third week or going into the third week of a very successful theatrical run? It's completely different than something like pulling, uh, The Quiet Place 2, which they need to rev up and, and have work in the theatrical experience. I mean, they need all the marketing muscle to get a movie like Black Widow off the ground. I mean, it could be a one time mega event if they, if Disney decided to drop a movie like that.
1: They also on- need. the Chinese block they need the Chinese box office right
3: yeah right and I think you know but it it wouldn't that effect of the excitement of rushing to your computer to watch Black Widow um would not a have anywhere near the same sort of financial windfall as a theatrical release for that movie but would also not be uh, enough to sustain a second release of that kind um so I think that Uh, You're, you know, A24 made a really smart move in pulling First Cow from theaters after a one week limited run and saying we love this movie and we want to give it the chance it deserves and we're going to re-release it in the fall. And then you have movies like uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which
0: moved the release uh Mm -hmm.
3: date, which was you should have been uh,
0: here last week uh, to make that joke.
3: Uh, And Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was only a couple weeks into a limited theatrical run. Well not. It was a little bit more than a couple weeks, but um, and you know it had its qualifying run in. December, i think i would be very unsurprised to see neon uh expedite their plan to get that movie out the world on itunes um i think you're going to see a lot of that and people being flexible for what the the world demands right now um but it will not really have any meaningful impact on how we do things going forward
2: but i think that this process of not going to movie theaters i think people no matter what the studios do i think there will be less movie going when this is over.
3: I think, uh, yeah, I think I there think, will be more. Really? <laughs> I think, I, I mean, I think no. people are, people are going to be so fucking happy to get yes. out into the world and go see a think, movie.
2: But you, but they're going to have been at home binge watching everything. They're going to, they're going to go to a park. They're going to go to a concert. My argument anything. has
3: always been, my argument has been that. The entitlement to content has existed regarding movies for more than 10 years now. Since the advent of streaming and torrenting, you already have an entire generation of moviegoers who believe that they deserve to have their eyeballs on something just because it exists. I think the reason that the theatrical market continues to exist and continues to Do reasonably well, um, you know, despite claims that ticket sales are, are down year on year is that people want to go to the movies. It is not a matter of convenience. It is a matter of inconvenience. They want the experience. It's a completely different categorical phenomenon. And uh, I think that even if you released major movies day and date, you would still see movie theaters full. Not that I would recommend them doing that, because I think that theatrical needs to exist as a uh, advertising platform for the eventual streaming release. But this is the dynamic we already have. And so I don't think that it's like you're going to be showing people something they don't already know. This is already the world we're living in, where you can watch anything from home. People want to see Avengers in a theater because they want to see Avengers in the theater. I'm sure there are some people, of course, who would have the option of just watching it at home, but uh, it wouldn't be Avengers anymore. It wouldn't have the same, the same impact. It wouldn't be an event.
0: Maybe let me pose it to you like this. I don't think necessarily it's going to be a less theatrical uh, experience going, uh, maybe a few less theatrical releases. But the only reason I could see that happening is if we're living in a world where the window, the theatrical window is shrinking, all of a sudden, by accident, uh, these huge studios are going to have a limited set of data on this really weird uh release, which is something like Invisible Man we're like you could do 2 weeks in the theater and then we have data of how that movie would prov- would perform on VOD. But
3: how is and that data how is that data at all helpful when you're dealing with a scenario where every single human on earth is stuck at home and looking for something to because, watch?
0: Because because it's and, not I, it's not going to affect things like Black Widow or Pixar movies or anything. It's going to affect the movies that right now get dumped directly to streaming services, like maybe there's a way through for them now. It's just right now that There isn't any because they're dumb businesses and they they need data to show that something's viable. There is nothing viable for this. You know, we just we think about Tower Heist, uh, or like (laughs) Under the Silver Lake all the time.
3: I, I, yeah, we do think about Tower Heist every day. Uh, check us out on the, our the feed, the Tower Cast. We were to the Tower Minute. We're doing one minute of Tower Heist at a time. We're rest up. Yes, and then we're doing the rest of Brett Ratner's filmography after that, of course. Uh, but uh, I think I don't think that the data is going to be accurate that comes out of this because these conditions will hopefully not be uh, replicable in the future unless we have another pandemic <laughs> next year and then trump comes out and says no one could have predicted <laughs> you know well, even yeah. though I in all terms of like stuff the stuff. movie business or something
0: isn't this uh like uh just a really bad like uh work stoppage or strike like it's gonna disrupt movies and television the way that something like that would for like uh you know 2021 we're still gonna be dealing with like is this movie a mess or is this movie a mess because they had to stop yeah. shooting in the middle of the pandemic? Yeah, yep.
3: It's like the writer strike all over again. I mean, I think people are turning to TV right now as a, uh, as a solve. And of course those shows will be streaming forever and ever. You can watch ER, you know, my personal favorite um, all 15 seasons, but uh, there's only a little bit of runway left for new television to roll out. And it was announced today that in uh, April, uh, the the previously slated premiere of season four of Fargo has been scuttled indefinitely because they haven't finished making that show yet and they can't continue post-production under these circumstances. And so you have like Westworld, which is uh, perfectly timed as far as HBO is concerned, for it to be an event every week, even though it's fucking awful. And then you have Curb Your Enthusiasm ending it's good. The- that's ever happened uh not the show ending but the show existing in the first place and then you have the plot against yeah. america which i look forward to talking about in future weeks on this and, podcast and the, and the, the new
0: season podcast. of teen mom where it has at least three months from. and
3: which will get ratings uh ratings bonanza and uh and then you know it's going to dry up and all these people are going to go on hiatus and there are not going to be any more shows and movies are going to be and tv is in the same boat as movies um and uh i will i'm not happy about that you know, despite me rooting for movies what are you all the time, do, think, David? it's sad. <laughs> <What> <laughs> um, you do well, this, we're this summer. Okay, so you were asking me off podcast uh, before we started about yeah. what sort of IndieWire is doing right now, um, and our current plan is pretty straightforward and obvious. I mean, we are um, we have already started just today a daily column about a movie that we think is interesting on streaming, um, and on like on Friday, I'm writing about. Uh, Final Destination, which is on Netflix, the entire Final Destination series is because there's something about the way that movie anticipated like millennial m- millennial powerlessness, I think, in the face of evil, and the the feeling like the whole world was conspiring to kill us. Uh, that I think resonates in theory if not in practice because that movie isn't great but there are good final destination movies but uh um and also like sean william scott is wearing the new york rangers third jersey through that movie it's very strange um and (laughs) Sawa is dressed in an eagle anyway i'll find something to say about it but um so we're doing stuff like that we're talking to filmmakers about what um about what they're doing over the over the quarantine, um, over there the is break. so much news. Over the break, yeah, uh, there is so much news in, in uh, immediate future about just things shutting yeah. down, quarantine um, that um, that will keep that will keep our lights on for for the short term. But uh, you know, we're, we're struggling along with everybody else. Uh, the further this thing drags, I have been yeah, playing, and it's... this is going to segue to Polygon. I have been playing a lot of <laughs> video games. Um, that is really. Uh, In addition to Pokemon Go, keeping me sane. I just got a Neo Two. I was trying to get into The Witcher Three, which I played a couple of hours on, and I I like open world games like that. I loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I think we talked about on this podcast. But uh, there's something about The Witcher Three that is keeping me at bay that I can't quite wrap my head around. Um, I'm really excited. Too stupid. it's not too much story it's just i find the mechanics of it all not particularly like i remember by this point assassin's creed i was like addicted to the rhythm of missions and running around explaining new and like it just feels like chaos in the witcher 3 right now um mm-hmm. and uh, uh i'm very excited for the last of us 2 in may which could not be more perfectly timed. <laughs> um and I've been I'm thinking very excited for your kid to get older so that you
1: don't yeah. have time to play video games and I don't have to envy you. <laughs> uh,
3: sure, sure. Um, and uh, Except for if I've parlayed this into playing video games for work, I'll be playing it during the day when he's at daycare uh not that we have a daycare plan in place yet (laughs) now it's all (laughs) but i've also been thinking a lot about another game we talked about on this podcast death stranding which is a game about someone trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic america where they're threatened by an invisible force and everyone lives underground and constantly just streams their experience Mm -hmm. and the presence motives that may lead to the extinction of mankind uh and that game came out in november and oh, oh, you're also trying to take care of a baby the entire time and i was playing that in uh, early november being like i relate to nothing in this game Uh, and now it is uh, the closest thing i have to an autobiography (laughs) uh, oh patches how's the video game business doing over at polygon oh okay before we throw to katie i mean we're about
1: to uh guys
2: We gotta, gotta wrap this up. Oh, you could go right. to polygon.com
3: and see how polygon.com is You guys are creating go.
1: connections.
3: That's just give us a, a hey, son, uh, lost track of time. Hey, son, lost track of time.
1: Thank yeah. you. We lost
3: track of time. Someone's 10. God, yeah, God bless you. you Katie, like go.
2: What am I supposed to talk about? Oh, throw at hey, the end of the show.
1: Like, I thought you were wrapping up a podcast. Oh, I'm wrapping this up the show. at the end of time.
2: Great. The time has lost all meaning. Uh, that does it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week. We had nowhere to be. Lots to talk about. Um, maybe by then <laughs> I'll have watched something that isn't Frozen 2 or Frozen 1, both of which I've watched since this all began. What if, what if uh, next week we watch
0: Frozen 2? N- next week we should all talk about the, the weirdest slash worst thing that we've been forced to watch this entire time because I've yeah, also just. To- Something's autoplay, and I'm like, well, not going to stop it. So
2: I'll do my five minutes I, on Lego. President. My family
0: watched Totem. Yeah, see, look. Good like, for I thought it just sat- you. you know what? You know what actually could potentially get the- better uh, during this entire lockdown is our podcast about media.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the meantime, tell the people who you are.
1: I'm Matt Patch's senior editor at polygon.com. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patch's. We have a website, fightinginthorn.com, where you can listen to the episodes. You can share them with friends who are locked in their apartments or their houses, quarantined. Um, and you can share your own anecdotes from, from inside the, th- the throes of the coronavirus. <laughs>
3: Uh, I'm David Ehrlich. You can find me uh, on Twitter, David Ehrlich, uh, on IndieWire, and also in my apartment where I am uh, eating entire loaves of bread on a daily basis. Uh, You can find all of us on Fighting in the War Room on iTunes, or at Fighting in the War Room on iTunes. Please leave us a review, if only these days, to remind us that you are out there (laughs) and uh, to help us stay connected with the world at large.
0: I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. I'm going to do my best to point you in the direction of things for... Your uh quarantine. I do a lost rewatch podcast of the entire series of lost. We're up through season two, episode seventeen, I believe. Lockdown. So we had a quarantine screening uh, of of that, which was very fitting. If you go to com slash Cora, you will find Mr. Patches and I's entire rewatch of the Legend of Cora animated series, if you want a podcast to go along with that. If you go to podcast time, dot tumblr.com. You will find a short series of podcasts about the first season of adventure time that patches that I also did. Oh, if you go God. to fightinginthewarroom.com slash I lost the filler, you will find our lost podcast, which is yet another series of things about lost to do. And if you go to com there are our legacy feeds, two volumes of that, each of which contains at least 150 episodes of our podcast. That's all the content I could give to you, but it's a lot. Please check some out.
2: Uh, and I'm Katie Rich. You can find me uh, at vanityfair.com on the Little goldman podcast, which is also still at it. Um, and uh, we, we're talking about the plot against America this week, which is a new TV show that hasn't been postponed and uh, is worth watching. I think we might talk about that here next week. Um, you can find me on Twitter at K A T E Y R I C H. And we're all on Twitter at F I T W R, where you can tell us about your quarantine viewing or answer this week's lightning round question, which was In honor of a pandemic
0: again, what is the best movie set in a single location? Thanks for listening,
2: and we'll be back talking to you next week. Wash your hands. Wash your hands.
1: Bump
0: yeah. 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 a done. I'm done. We're done.